Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HBIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HBIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HBIC are pursuing discipleship. In other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, uh, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Tony House on uh, some of the work he does with DEI, uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, in uh, his secular workplace, uh, how he's reconstrued that as Jedi by adding a J on top of it, um, how that uh, might or might not play out in the church, the necessity of that, and just stories from his life um, growing up, encountering for the first time. Uh, racism and some of the things that he's become passionate about speaking on and living out as a follower of Jesus. Uh, look forward to sharing this one with you. Enjoy. Tony House, it is great to be with you today. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, I had the pleasure of being involved in the How to Fight Racism um, course that we did this past fall, 2022 on Wednesday nights, um, going through Jamar Tisby's How to Fight Racism course uh, that you co-led with Jeff Snyder-Velez. Really awesome time. Um, You were able to unpack a lot of wisdom and experiences and even uh, an original kind of take or spin on on the traditional DEI framework, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I wanted to go back to the beginning and um, hear kind of your... Uh, personal reasons why why racial justice uh, is an important thing for you, an important cause, important ideal. Um, what are what are the personal roots of your passion there? Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting time that uh, you know we're talking about this, and of course, you know I have been uh, professionally and and also within the, uh, the the body of Christ as well have had occasions to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, or JEDI, which I think is, is what you're, uh, mm-hmm. you are alluding to. Um, which is adding justice at the beginning of yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. And, of course, you know, during the past uh, three, three and a half years, there's been a lot of things that have, uh, have uh, confronted our society or perhaps been... Uh, my, my family used to have an expression that uh, the Lord will pull the sheets right off of you. We'll talk about a visual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so the sheets uh, having been pulled off of some longstanding uh, historic uh, situations involving justice and also uh, racial equality, equity, uh, diversity, and, uh, and, and inclusion. And uh, so it's been quite a time. And... But I can honestly say, and I, I think that, uh, you know, either whether it's a generational thing or it's a cultural thing, that issues of uh, racial justice have, uh, I can't remember a time when it wasn't a part of my mm-hmm. uh, everyday uh, thinking, whether it was relatives relating stories, you know, for my protection so that I wouldn't make mis- uh, missteps and uh, me trying to... Um, um, walk through life, uh, actually, and process some of the things that, that they say. Then, of course, you know, as you're growing up, your teenage years, you know, you're trying to think for yourself, and so you, there was a tendency to dismiss some things, only to find out that there's a great deal of uh, wisdom and that, uh, 
you know, without a doubt that there, uh, there were and, of course, there remain uh, issues of uh, inequities of, of all sorts in, in our society. So it's, uh, uh, it's always been uh, something that has been honestly at the forefront. I can't think of a day when that's gone by where I haven't thought of some issue related to, uh, you know, to race. It's been more interesting of late, though, and uh, you know, and I, I suspect we'll be talking about this, but how this whole Jedi uh, uh, notion has kind of permeated uh, my thinking, as well as the thinking of the body of Christ uh, as, as well. But it's been an interesting thing. I wish I could say that I've arrived somewhere. I certainly have not. And uh, um, thank you for your kind words about the, uh, the, the course, and thank you for your involvement uh, uh, with uh, Jeff and I in the uh, How to Fight Racism, because uh, I can honestly say it's one of those uh, unique, uh, maybe it's not so unique, but those situations where, you know, we're up front and we're sharing information and knowledge, but then you're realizing that... Uh, my word, everybody here has something to contribute. Mm -hmm. Everybody here, you know, you never left without more things to think about or things that you hadn't thought about in the area of justice, uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so Jedi is not something that you necessarily um, made a conscious choice at some point in your life to, to be passionate about. It's It's just... It was always, you know, staring you in the face, or the lack of it was staring you in the face to some degree. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, we used to joke. There was a, there was a joke, and I'm sorry, folks out there, if I'm disclosing uh, cultural secrets and things, mm -hmm. but that uh, we would joke about. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I I'll speak for myself that or my family. We are a little paranoid because you know you just never know. You know, when you're imagining things or if you actually are seeing things and sure. when you have enough occasions where, you know, when the sheets are actually pulled off or when, you know, light comes into a situation, you realize, yeah, yeah, it really did involve uh, uh, some sort of uh, in inequity or discrimination uh, or sometimes just flat out uh, uh, racism of, sure. of, uh, of, of sorts. What would there be? And this is a question that Tisby asks early on in, in kind of his study, it, would there be an early memory for you of where you became conscious of of race, of discrimination, whatever it may be? Yeah. I mean, I literally, I was a, a, a child during the 60s. I grew up in mm -hmm. uh, York, Pennsylvania. And of course, you, it's uh, a Google search. You put York and invariably uh, you're going to uh, um, uh, come across the, I call them the so-called York uh, race riots of uh, 68 and, uh, and 69. And I, I don't want to minimize um, the seriousness of some of the things that were going on, but um, you have to really dig to get to the, the core of what was really happening within uh, communities of color and the, uh, the genuine fears that uh, people of color had, as well as, you know, folks from the majority culture slash white culture, um, and all the things like that that were going on. So it was a very um, um, dynamic time, to, uh, to say the least. 
early memories. And, you know, for me, um, uh, even as a child, that uh, I always felt that I was always walking and walking a very thin line between um, two different cultures. There was my neighborhood, which had become uh, uh, mostly uh, African-American. Um, uh, later on, uh, there were um, uh, Latinos uh, who had begun moving into the neighborhood, but it was definitely an example of white flight you know, out of the neighborhood, which included some, uh, some dear friends uh, who we had to interact with. But one occasion uh, that, that uh, comes to mind, mostly because I, I still am dealing with it and have had, uh, taken some actions, largely because of uh, Tisby's uh, teaching and, and the course, uh, to reach out to uh, white friends who were uh, influential uh, in good and sometimes not so good ways in my uh, racial, in, in the development of my own racial uh, I identity and dealing with things. So uh, the story was that, um, you know, we had a group of uh, fellows. There was a, a young, um, well, we were all young, um, a, a white boy in the neighborhood, a guy named Chuck, who taught me how to play baseball. And of course, mm -hmm. if anybody knows me, you know, baseball is a, 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 a passion. The Phillies uh, are calling you up this spring, right? I'm counting on I've been counting on it for quite a while. My, my brain and body more and more is convincing me of, of the um, uh, <laughs> to just fantasy be, aspect. To just be a DH, maybe? Yeah, I'd like just to go straight to the hall. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that. One of my friends who, you know, it was my job. I lived the farthest away, and I'd walk up, pick up Chuck, and then we'd pick up, you know, Terry and head all the way up to the schoolyard to play a game we called fast pitch or underhand with a rubber ball, you know, playing baseball. And uh, when we got to Kenny's house, um, Kenny's dad called him over, and um, um, uh informed Kenny, who then came and informed me that um, I was not uh, allowed to come to the front door. I had to come to the side door. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you fast forward that story. Uh, my friend had a birthday party later on, and uh, um, I, my parents knew the story. My dad was upset, and I got a lecture about showing some racial pride and why would you want to go back to a place? But nonetheless, mom bought me a gift, and I turned out to be the only friend that showed up. And the father was upset. He was even crying. And he came over, and I guess my reward, he put his arms around me and told me that, uh, hey, from now on, you can come to the front door. Now, the other white boys that, uh, uh, that were part of our little baseball clique or, or group, they were allowed to, but I wasn't until I, I guess I came through <laughs> on the uh, mm. uh, for, for the party. So, I mean, and there were uh, a number of incidences like that. Uh, Chuck and I, um, we would venture downtown every week, and we'd hit uh, the Bonton department store where there were records and things, and uh, we were really uh, into music, and Chuck would ask me, um, uh, hey, what... Uh, what records are out that you want? And so I'd give him my list. Then my job, though, was to walk around the store while the security followed me 
and I was to get them as far away from the, the record <laughs> department. Gee, <Decoy>. uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope the statutes of uh, limitations have, uh, have, have, have passed. But uh, And then, you know, Chuck would, was free to, um, uh, to, to uh, pick out uh, these 45s completely unmolested. Uh, and it wasn't until disclosing it to my, my parents, my mom specifically, and saying that that was wrong to do. Years later, though, uh, Pastor Ryan, I was working at a residential facility. It was around Christmas. And suddenly the staff called us, hey, these guys, they've got these bicycles and a gumball machine. And then uh, listening to them tell the story about this, it was, uh, and they were, you know, decades later, they were aware of this principal. This was at the Sears department store. And um, three uh, white boys uh, went and actually walked out of Sears with three bicycles and two gumball machines. Uh, and the staff actually held the door for them while security followed the one uh, little uh, black boy who just whose job was to walk around the store. And, you know, they're wow. telling the story and the staff is upset and I'm trying to stop from laughing yeah. because I can kind of relate to uh, all of this. And uh, But, you know, there was no issue uh, or, or no interest uh, apparently in uh, uh, addressing I mean, is the, that uh, not such a poignant image? Like <laughs> the three young white boys walking out of the store with giant gumball machines and, and bicycles and being shepherded out the doors and they're holding it for them. And Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. And, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about this a little bit later, but even uh, today, uh, the... Uh, the work with uh, the Tisby book and, and, and the class has kind of led me. And I, and I think even during the pandemic, I remember, uh, you know, people were wanting, oh, we're going to be talking about race. It's going to be, you know, apologize to a black person time or, or, or something like that. On yeah. one side, uh, hearing denials and, and um, experiencing the blindness on, uh, on the other end. But then coming across... Um, just groups of uh, evangelical Christians, white evangelical Christians who were quite opposed to, I mean, vehemently opposed to, to some of this. And then uh, just becoming aware of the, uh, the term uh, white Christian nationalists and just thinking, hmm, I wonder, and then actually having conversations walking my, my, in my neighborhood and uh, talking with a, a couple of folks who were actually proud of the fact that they uh, that they in time um, they kind of denied all of that and kind of went right to I'm not a racist you know kind of language and there was this fascination and I really felt uh, the Lord um, um, leading me or at least stirring up a curiosity to at least to understand as opposed to condemning and staying away because you know it does constitute a, a rift a pretty significant riff that I think that we, we're going to have to answer to um, when we uh, stand before Jesus and, you know, are held accountable for things that we did while here on the earth. Uh, I know in, in speaking with you, there's been, I'm sure there's been moments and times where you've not really been eager to wade into the conversation. It's not an easy one to I'm, wade into. I was very reluctant, and I remembered, uh, you know, when uh, you had approached uh, Jeff and I about doing this, it's like, 
I do not want to do this. Mm -hmm. Not now. And then at work, you know, we were doing this and it was definitely um, uh, Jedi fatigue. (laughs) (laughs) There is such a thing. And, uh, and, uh, (laughs) of course, my kids say that I'm a fraud even using Jedi, which is not a term I coined. I heard it and was just fascinated by it because uh, they are still ashamed that I've not seen all the, any of the Star Wars movies for a while. I've, I've been correcting that since uh, the 70s or 80s <laughs> when they first came. So the first two and then all the new ones. And uh, so uh, I, I was shamed mm-hmm. <laughs> for even using the uh, Yeah, using that's the, the most important thing you can be doing right now is catching up on Star Wars. <laughs> Don't worry about all this other stuff. Well, I applaud you, though, for being willing to wade into the waters again a little bit or even, you know, encountering someone who either directly or indirectly, uh, openly, explicitly or implicitly is exhibiting white Christian nationalism, as you called it, to want to engage with that person and, and think, you know, this is something we as the body of Christ in, in a larger sense is going to have to answer for. And I can't. I can't um, put my head in the sand in regards to it. Although you certainly are, would be warranted in doing that for at least for seasons. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, uh, I, I have to preface by saying a lot of this, I mean, these were my impressions that over time I became more uh, convinced about the uh, the accuracy of, of the impressions. And then when folks actually acknowledge it, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something, and uh, the open uh, embrace of the Christian nationalist term uh, has been shocking to behold. And I don't think many people um, would openly put white on that. Um, you know, I don't think many people would say, "Yes, I'm a white Christian nationalist." Although there's plenty that do. Um, you could argue the white is implicit. You know, when you start digging into what do you mean by Christian nation, like who, like what subset of of, of Americans are we talking about here when we say that? But um, yeah, I, I've been challenged in in some conversations with folks while uh, basically asking, well, isn't there a black version of that? Isn't there a liberal version of of some sort of Christian? Uh, uh, nationalism, and you know, honestly, I'm thinking, okay, well, let's think about this just, just for the sake of keeping conversation going, because you know, who wants to come to the table uh, knowing that uh, you're, you're going to be the object of uh, bashing or or condemnation? Yeah. I know I certainly wouldn't, and uh, I'm certain that uh, that's not what the Lord uh, wants. Sure, yeah, and I don't think. Uh to put a pin in all that, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't want to, I think nationalism is bad and Christian nationalism is bad and white Christian nationalism is bad. And it's not a uniquely white Christian thing necessarily, but in, in all its permutations as the church, we ought to be striving for a kingdom reality where we are not being narrowly defined by anything other than who we are in Christ um, and the unity that we have there. Um, there's a larger discussion there, obviously. But oh, yes. I, um, I happily submit to your graciousness and, you know, take cues from you on your willingness to even give the benefit of the doubt to people or to 
yeah, and to to leave open the door of like, sure, maybe this happens on the left, maybe this happens with Black Christian Americans in different ways. Um, to me, that is bound up in a lot of who you are as um, a bridge builder, someone who, generally speaking, it seems like you're. If your blood pressure is rising in these conversations, uh, you hide it well. I'll say that at least. <laughs> so you do. Um, as part of your day job, so-called, you are engaged in DEI trainings, things of that nature. Um, you've, you didn't coin it, but you've adopted JEDI as the moniker, um, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Um, could you talk with me a little bit about how you see JEDI um, manifesting in the workplace, versus in the church, um, you know, in terms of the Venn diagram of those two spaces, is there a lot of overlap? Are there differences? Are there uh, unique advantages in the church versus challenges to pursuing Jedi? Yeah, you know, I've been actually a little afraid even of uh, thinking along those lines because of uh, one of my um, uh, biggest complaints about uh, church life was that uh, when it felt like the body of Christ, you know, no particular one in general, but just in just speaking in great generalities, was being run uh, like a business or whatever, and then taking on kind of corporate ideas and ways of uh, doing things. And so uh, there are some similarities and, and things like that, but uh, oh my goodness. Uh, Fortunately, yeah, we, we do make that separation, and I really appreciated uh, sermons and messages here about the separation of the kingdom and the, from the uh, from the empire and, and things and all that that involves. But yeah, uh, there the, there are applications, and I think that uh, we can learn um, from one another. Although certainly. My sense has been, at least in the, the corporation that I work for, there's less of a willingness to adopt uh, things from the uh, the church. You almost have to be kind of like a plant there and sharing ideas. You know, oh, well, we're doing this and not necessarily referencing the fact that it's your, <laughs> your church mm -hmm. that's uh, doing some of those things. And uh, the other unfortunate thing is that in uh, businesses, uh, initially, there were some businesses that were that came out very strong on the uh, the the J for uh, justice portion of that, but then others that uh, um, almost immediately wanted nothing to do with that because justice was being linked with things like Black Lives Matter and uh, or uh, directly tied to racial justice. And quite frankly, I think it's easier to. Um, hide uh, your your ultimate uh, intentions of not really uh, or doing the minimal amount uh, in the areas of uh, diversity, you know, which is basically how you look. Right. And then uh, equity would sometimes be balked at a bit because we're not sure we, we want to give up, you know, power and, and things like that. Um, and more so with... Uh, um, or not so much so then with inclusion, which was, you know, they were all considered to be the right things to, to be able to do. There were 
uh, business and profit justifications that were offered, you know, for doing these things. But the justice part, that, that usually involved a, uh, a commitment of some sort, which, uh, you know, uh, in our studies with the, the Tisby book, uh, that's, the, that's the C in the arc of uh, racial justice and um, uh, committing yourself to um, allyship and uh, um, how would you say that when you're an uh, accomplice, yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah. accomplishship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> my sense is, uh, in in the business world, in a lot of cases, DEI efforts amount to checking off boxes, um, almost toward the end of just not getting in trouble or running afoul of of certain folks or whatever. You mentioned like profitability in the sense of you know, it's almost this in a negative sense. Our profitability could be hurt if we aren't adequately inclusive, etc. I would like to imagine that the church has, <laughs> there are other imperatives laid upon us to pursue Jedi beyond uh, checking a box or so we don't get in trouble or so the, it looks good on the website. Um, I imagine you'd agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very proud to say, I mean, it's always something when, folks at least at work and or in uh, uh, other uh, professional settings uh you know who look at my facebook page they kind of know what i stand for and a little bit about what i believe and then when they refer to uh to to church then there actually have been largely you know due to um uh, homegoing services that uh co-workers have come to and the atmosphere that they know to just walking in the door and uh um so i think it's it's not a a stretch at all for folks outside of hbic at least uh then to uh to recognize that uh, no this is much more than just checking boxes and that uh you know we are uh uh genuinely interested in doing this because mostly because it's what jesus wants us to right. do it, it the imperative laid upon us is faithfulness to christ you know is the reason that we pursue justice equity diversity inclusion in the church um and or any one of those four picked out or however you want to conceive it um and I would say where it's uniquely different maybe than, than the business world is in the business world, for example, you inevitably are thinking about profit, um, whereas, and, and, and effectiveness and how this is going to, you know, ultimately um, affect the bottom line. I don't see many, I don't see many places out in the world where they're willing to sacrifice the bottom line for justice causes you could argue you know there's there are instances where that's happened right where maybe the nba or the nfl is like jeopardized but not really right there's still the line's still pointing up and to the right for them every year it doesn't matter um they they take these minor hits and people keep watching their product whereas in the church i i think um i do think it's a matter of faithfulness and that i think it's actually it's harder it's not necessarily going to yield um, results in the form of, hey, if you really commit yourself to diversity, equity, and inclusion and radically pursue justice as a church, then 
throw the doors open wide and they're going to be flooding into this place like a Billy Graham crusade, right? I don't think that's the case, you know, um, case in point, you know, through the church planning movement of the, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, um, some folks seized on this sociological uh, phenomenon called the homogeneous unit principle, which was essentially that and Tony just rolled his eyes very subtly there. I'll say that for people since this is not filmed. But um, <laughs> actually, that was because of the, the noise I made gulping. My oh, okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Sorry. Sure, I'm sure that's what it was. Um, so the homogeneous unit principle, basically saying that like your church will grow, your church will uh, flourish numerically if you can target and um, be tailored towards one specific type of person, you know, and you, you, the homogeneous unit principle is a sociological phenomenon that applies to every, everything, not just the church, right? But that at some level, communities and organizations like have an easier time of things when everybody's the same, right? And you can, it cuts across different vectors. It's not necessarily race. It could be sex, socioeconomic status, any number of things, right? So I think, churches are that when they actively pursue justice um, are choosing a harder road in terms of what it demands of folks and maybe that's why a lot of churches don't choose that road <laughs> I don't know your thoughts there or or how you've seen this work bear out in the church or not bear out in the church yeah yeah of course. Uh, after the the gulp, and I, I really was kind of rolling yeah. <laughs> my eyes just in, in, in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I I think that it's always, and and, and again, this is uh, just another uh, 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 opinion, which you know I'm quite prone to, and often willing to uh, to, to to share. Um, I, I think for uh, very well-intended reasons, you know, you're looking for in the desperation just to reach uh, either particular communities or people group to um, uh, to spread, you know, the, the good news or to share the good news with, uh, with, with everyone, particularly, though, with uh, folks that are different uh, than you are, different in, in, in traditions that... Uh, I do sense that historically there's been a bit of a sense of like well-intended desperation, I guess, in uh, using any sort of model or whatever, you know, to do that. And uh, um, sometimes a reluctance, um, which is something that I'm kind of uh, implicating myself on this. Uh, it's like the spirit was saying, hey, whatever happened to like asking me? talking to me about this, praying about this, and um, keeping this uh, before me, and then just waiting to see what, what I do. And certainly, I mean, the history here of our local body has, we've, we've got some pretty dramatic examples of uh, things like that happen uh, with regards to our uh, efforts toward uh, racial uh, reconciliation that... Uh, uh, I'm sure everybody is, uh, is is aware of. Well, and I think what you're, I mean, what what you might be referring to, and this might cut at the heart of the difference between the church and the business world, is, you know, in a lot of ways, the uh, the diversity such that it is at HBIC is the result of prayer and almost miraculous 
<laughs> intervention, right? There's yeah. a story of um, Woody and I think Louis Studo praying and the church praying for over a year. You know, like we want, we're, we're in the middle of, of the hill and we're an all white congregation. Lord, like this isn't what you're calling us to. Like, what should we do? And, and praying and seeking Lord on that till one day, uh, you know, a black couple just is knocking on the door as Woody and Lou are praying and said, hey, we were going on a walk. And God told me, like, we should start going to church here. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know if that, in, in one sense, that speaks to how, uh, man, how difficult a task this is in the church that it took just God doing that. On the other hand, isn't that where we should always be falling back? And isn't that what makes the church different than than other spheres in the world that we have ultimately a god who wants to see jedi <laughs> and has the power to actualize it in our yeah. fellowship yeah so I, I i imagine and i hope this isn't like sacrilegious or <laughs> but god just like hashtag duh <laughs> like yeah and personally that is something that i've been uh um uh, praying uh, to be uh, a, a default, and uh, oh my word, stories and and, and things where um, uh, I, I can remember one particular incident in uh, driving t- uh, into a very unpleasant uh, situation, potentially uh, dangerous situation, and um, having to pull off the side of the road because of this very strange interaction that I was having, you know, with the spirit. It was basically, and the word was, ask of me and I'll do great and awesome things, things you can never imagine. Hearing those words, but hearing a very different message, which was basically interact with this person. It's going to be different, which I, to this day I can't explain. So I attribute that to the otherness of, 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 of God and because it actually did work out. Uh, but at any rate, it was um, asking him and trusting him to, to answer and then us collectively coming together and doing the same sorts of things and uh, reaching out however we need to do. But, uh, and that at least being our, our, our starting point with, with all things. Then I guess bringing in you know, the, the programs and, and other things like that to uh, kind of uh, assist our, our efforts. But uh, yeah, as opposed to starting with that and then asking the Lord to bless you know, those, those, those efforts. Again, Tony House's opinion. <laughs> that, uh, You're on firm ground here suggesting we need Holy Spirit power to, to move forward in this. Um, and I, I think we agree, and, and hopefully as a church agree, that this is something that is on God's heart that is essential and endemic to the gospel that we live in and proclaim. You know, I think that's the biggest thing I would I would wish to see in white evangelicalism in particular is just like the awakening to the idea that this isn't an extracurricular thing. This isn't a, a, a box we can check if we can, and if not, oh well. Um, this isn't, you know, among the brethren in Christ, like, well, that's that's HBIC's thing. They're in Harrisburg, and they're like the, they're the diverse church, you know. Um, I would I would hope we could push back and say, you know, before there was DEI, 
or Jedi or before, you know, the civil rights, before any of that, you know, the New Testament is, is replete with, you know, what is, what is the story of Acts? What is the, the knot that Paul is trying to untangle in Romans and Galatians and other places in the New Testament, if not the story of ethnic integration and the story of the gospel breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, between these different peoples. Um, I just, I want us to have eyes to see that. Um, And I think that we're practicing that well here. Um, But the word I'm hearing from you today, and it's it's a good one, is um, may we also depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and utilize what tools we can, whether that's DEI or anything else from, from, the quote-unquote world, whatever it may be, um, or from Jamar Tisby or whoever, um, but understand and proceed in the power and by the leading of the Spirit in that. Yeah, you know, the uh, one of the things that's really stood out to me, the, uh, the word of, of Jesus to his disciples, that they will know you uh, by your love uh, for one another. And uh, boy, that being a consistent message that uh, and especially even within the the, uh, the household of faith, um, we we are. It's not like it's not like a good wish. It's not a suggestion. We are to love one another, even when it costs us things. When it uh, and then sometimes, unfortunately, I think in our society, our uh, personal politics, or again the the empire intruding into. You know our walk within the uh, the, the the kingdom, and uh, influencing us in ways that cause us not to show the love that we're able to show to individuals who are or think differently than than uh, we are. And but I think the bottom line and the scary part to me is that, uh, especially for myself, is that you know we'll answer um, uh, for that as we. Um, and it's not anything about like, you know, we're going to lose ourselves. I'm not saying that at all, but that there will be a time, though, that we will we'll need to uh, to answer. Uh, and as a body, because, you know, as I've heard said here on countless occasions that it's the body of Christ in all the, 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 the world. Uh, that's the one entity on the face of the earth that has the, uh, the, the power and, and authority to address these situations that the world just finds impossible or has given up hope on dealing with, but that uh, for different reasons, you know, comfort, uh, ideology or whatever, we uh, seem to lack the willingness to. And that's something that I have to accept as well as, you know, as other people. And uh, it certainly is a motivation to, yeah, keep listening, uh, keep striving, and uh, to keep... Uh, trying to look like Jesus in these situations. Yeah, amen. In Christ there is a will and a way. Yes. Tony, thank you. You're very welcome. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm.